Welcome. I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. Here I share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. Be sure to check out the show notes where you'll find details about the episodes, plus important links, including the link to the Dogged Planner and Workbook created just for handlers on a mission. So if you're ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey there, and welcome back to the podcast. Okay, this week we are talking about doubts. Um, this actually, t- this topic came in from one of my Q members, and uh, I was polling them to see if uh, if there's anything they wanted me to address. And one of the things that came up is returning to sport after an injury. Now, the question came about from a handler injury, but I think it can be widened a little bit to include dog injury as well. Whenever we take time off or away, I should say, it's not like we're, you know, enjoying the time off necessarily. There's probably rehab or um, a lot of other things at play during that time. But when we take time away, there's that moment of coming back and um, doubts creep in, insecurities, imposter syndrome. There's all these little sneaky little things that creep back into our mindset to tell us, ooh, you can't do this. You, something's going to happen. You're going to fail. The other shoe will drop. You're not ready. Your dog's not ready. Um, you're going to get hurt again, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, What happens in this moment, I think, is, you know, we always have this self-talk stuff going on, right? We know this. We always have all of these doubts and all of these voices. And a lot of times I've referred to them as having this like committee in your head, right? And when I picture my committee, they're at one of those old school, like mahogany tables in an old school corporate, almost law office-like, you know, environment, dark wood, heavy, and around this big conference table, I'm sort of at one end of it, and it's a long conference table going away from me. And I, there's all these different voices, right? And one is the voice of of doubt, like you can't do this. You know, one is the voice of worry. Oh, what if this happens? What if this happens? One is the voice of a cheerleader. Yeah, you can do this. Go, 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 go. You know, one is, you know, the voice of a parent or a friend or a coach or, you know, all of these different voices. And I hope for you, (laughs) and I mean this sincerely, though, it's going to sound, I don't know, maybe egotistical, but I hope that one of the voices at your table is me (laughs) telling you that you can do it and you have a great mindset and all the good, powerful things. But, you know, at that table, you know, our doubters and fear and reasons that we can't and, you know, voices chiming up to say no just very various versions of no, right? Um, no to whatever it is that you want to do. And I think this is an important thing to realize. And now I understand not everybody thinks visually, um, but if this visual visualization helps you, feel free to use it, steal it, own it. Um, but I bring it up because I think the doubts are always there, right? We always have 
positive and negative. We always have worries and confidence. Like all of these things are sort of coexisting in our brains. And at any given moment, we could be the happiest kid in class or we could be, you know, super worried, you know, think like, uh, you know, that character on Peanuts with the cloud following them, you know, like, oh my God, woe is me all the time. And we can switch back and forth in an instant. Isn't that clever? And, but when we comes to an injury, again, whether it's ours or our dogs, I think that it's easier for doubt and those negative thoughts to creep in. It's almost like the injury cr- creates a crack in the door for them, an opportunity for, and my them is these these negative thoughts, right? So it creates this crack in the door that these negative thoughts get to come through. It's like we're, we're in a moment, uh, a temporary moment, but a temporary moment of weakened state, you know, where all of these, we're, now we're entertaining thoughts that we would not have entertained prior to the injury, right? And I remember bringing one of my dogs back from a six-month rehab, and I was actually running him in a seminar, and I was terrible in the seminar because I wasn't getting where I needed to be. It was an agility seminar, and so I wasn't, I wasn't really handling my dog. What I was doing is I was watching him. I was watching him. I was like watching him for any signs, any signs of weakness or injury or that he wasn't ready or that, you know, he wasn't okay, that the surgery didn't work, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's a really good analogy because I wasn't doing, I wasn't running him. I literally wasn't like operating my dog, if you will. I was looking for all the reasons that he could fail. I was looking for all the things that were wrong with him. I was looking for the negatives. And finally, my friends who were in the seminar as well as the seminar instructor were like, how about you run your dog and we'll watch him? And I was like, yeah, probably that's best because I'm not doing him any favors because I'm like kind of half arse running him, right? Where is what he needs me to do is he needs me to run him correctly so that he is safe, so that he can do the exercises, so that he is getting the information he needs ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera, right? I'm not doing him any favors going, are you okay? Are you okay? Is that okay? Was that, what was that? Was that a weird step? Or are you okay? Right? So we don't do ourselves any favors when we do that because our one eye or more, right? 60, 70% of our thoughts are on the Oh my, oh my no, right? Oh my God, oh, oh no, you know, they're kind of there instead of being present and really doing what it is that we need to be doing. In the cases of our own injury, I know from friends, even who've had like knee replacements and things, that there's this time of where you don't trust it, right? You don't trust the fix. You don't trust the repair. You don't trust the new knee. And I think dogs go through that a little bit too. I definitely saw that in trip after his TPLO, he thought he was still hurt. He acted sometimes like he was still hurt. And then one day he was like, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't hurt anymore. And he began to trust it. So I think, you know, all of those things are there, right? There's this moment of you don't trust that you're fine or that your dog's fine. There's these moments of all of these, you know, negative, nasty, doubtful thoughts have this crack in which to sneak through more strongly. It's like they've been given a new voice, you know? And, you know, there's also this like just big worry and concern of, should we be here? Should we be doing this? Is this okay? Am I okay? Is the dog okay? 
who's okay, <laughs> you know, and all of these things that we, we entertain, basically. So I think one of my opinions is that we are allowing there's this there's this crack that that allows these thoughts in and instead of brushing them off suddenly we're entertaining them we're listening we're like oh wait say more about how i might you know re-injure myself say more about how my dog might not be ready say more about how you know both of us could get hurt out here doing the sport that we love and we're entertaining it whereas before we were like zip it. I'm busy. I'm running my dog. Right. And it's a thing that happens out of experience, right? We're, we're always telling ourselves, or I'm always telling you guys, right. To visualize the things that you want to happen, not to visualize or worry yourself about, or, you know, um, obsess about catastrophizing, right? Let's not do that. Let's not put our energy there. But yet when something bad actually happens, right? When we actually get injured or our dogs get injured or we have to come back from a rehab, your brain goes, ha ha, experience. I have this nugget of actual truth. This actual thing happened. I have a, I have a real reason now to be worried, afraid, concerned, doubtful. And so it's a little bit self-fulfilling in that your brain is looking for evidence of why your brain's always looking for evidence, by the way, your brain is always looking for evidence of why it's right. Either why it's right that you can do it or why it's right that you can't do it, right? That's that famous Henry Ford quote, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And so um, again, we have this little shred of evidence and our brain is like, ha ha, and it holds it up as if it is like the holy grail. And it says, you got hurt once, you might get hurt again, or the dog got hurt once, it he might get hurt again. And so again, we entertain it. And now we entertain it with this like whole rationalization that says, no, no, I have proof. I have evidence that this thing could happen instead of remembering that like, oh, well, what about all these other years, <laughs> right? Where nothing went wrong. You know, what about 40 years of, of life that nothing did, nothing went wrong, that I wasn't hurt, that I was totally fine, you know, or all of these years, my dogs ran great or trials or runs. Like if you think about how many minutes we have spent doing this thing that we love and being passionate about it and, you know, becoming, you know, putting our 10,000 hours in to kind of from Malcolm Gladwell and become experts at what we love. But yet this one moment gets to, to be bigger and weightier than all of those. From a math problem standpoint, it's ridiculous. <laughs> From an emotional standpoint, totally get it, <laughs> right? I totally get it. We allow the negative to outweigh the positive probably, I'm making this up, it's probably like some sort of 10 to 1 or 100 to 1 ratio. And for some of us, yeah, it, it's going to take 100 good things to happen to outweigh the one bad thing. For others, it might be a 5 to 1 ratio. And we just need like a little bit of faith, a little bit of proof that things can go right. And we're back to believing. Kind of just depends on what it is, what the trigger is, you know, what's sending you um, you know, when I talk about triggers, remember, I'm not talking about big T triggers, but like I'm talking about like training triggers or things that happen in the ring that just emotionally get you to react in a way where you're barely even thinking, um, you're just reacting instead of pausing and responding and asking yourself, is that really true? 
right? Great examples are, you know, your dog misses one dog walk in agility and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we've lost our dog walk completely. We're never going to be able to do this again. Of course, I'm exaggerating, I hope. (laughs) Um, But things like that happen, right? Or you take your dog into the obedience ring and you get all the way to the end and they forget how to do a recall and you're like, oh my God, we had this problem in the beginning. He's never going to do it again. I'm never going to be able to do this. This is terrible. This is the end of days, right? And we go down that. It's because it's a trigger and it carries with it this emotional baggage and actual experience of things that happened before that make us just glom onto it with this ferocity that really is disproportionate to what the thing is, right? What the event is that actually triggered it. But triggers are sticky and triggers kind of show up in all these kind of weird little, I don't know, um, disguises is my best way. So I think too, um, especially for this person, and I don't know about the background of the injury, but you know, when we have an injury, again, ourselves or the dogs, they kind of come with built-in triggers, because it was an event, it happened, it's an experience, it's a real thing. We have the health bills to show for it, right? Either the vet bills or our own healthcare bills to show for it. And now we can point to something, our brains can point to something and go, aha, be afraid, be very afraid. And so whenever we take a funny step or we see our dog take a funny step or something like that, the trigger is instantaneous, And all of a sudden, we are right back in that emotional soup thinking, oh my God, it's happening again. It will happen again. Or I'm not stable enough. I knew this wasn't, this was too early. I knew I couldn't come back. Okay. So that's that. That's real. That's, and so, you know, explaining all of that and not really giving you solutions yet, um, I realize, but explaining all of that to know that like, you're not alone you're not weird. Your brain is not broken. This is not unusual. This is all very normal stuff. The other thing that happens when we come back from an injury or our dogs come back from an injury is we're rusty. We're very rusty. And this is, I guess, a horse term, but I I think it translates well enough in that, you know, we uh, haven't done it in a while. Our timing is off. Maybe our dog's timing is off. They forget they got to get back in the groove. You know, there's that period of time where we have to, you know, get everything kind of humming again. If we think of ourselves as machines, which we are not robots, our dogs are not robots, but if we think of ourselves as machines, it takes a minute to get going again, right? And we always used to say in the horses, you got to knock the rust off, right? You just, you got to get back there and knock the rust off. The thing is, is that when we go back after a period of being away, and again, maybe our only dog was injured, so we were away even though we were fine, but our dog wasn't, right? Could be either. Could be us, the dog combination. Um, When we come back, you know, we're not exactly picking up where we left off, yet in our minds, we think we should be, right? We think, oh my God, like, Six months ago, we could do this. Six months ago, this. And I I wasn't running like this. Like I didn't make these mistakes or, you know, my dog wasn't doing this or whatever, whatever. And we're not cutting ourselves the compassion, the slack, the, you know, giving ourselves enough grace to get back into it with, um, you know, and take our time doing that, 
right? And understanding that it takes time. Instead, we have a quote, bad run, or something weird happens, or our timing's off, again, any number of things, and we use it as a trigger. And we're like, oh my God, we're never going to come back. That six months is, you know, was was so meaningful. And, you know, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to run like I ran before, or my dog's never going to perform like they performed before. And like, you know, and we go straight into trigger and catastrophizing, right? We just react. We just react emotionally and it spills over into all kinds of things. And then once that little snowball of trigger gets some momentum, it becomes an avalanche, right? So that's what we need to really stop. That's what we need to recognize and learn how to intervene so that we don't run crazy down the hill. All right. So with that, I'm going to take a break. I'm actually going to yell at a dog who's digging in the yard. (laughs) And I'll be right back with some solutions to this. Okay. I have a quick question for you. Have you ever thought about coaching? Because one-on-one coaching lets us dive into your specific challenges and create tailored solutions. Because at the end of the day, no one has your exact challenges. And we all know that everyone has different goals. So through coaching, you'll get that breakthrough faster, basically. And I know it's true because I see it in my clients week after week. So if you're ready to take your mental game to the next level, let's chat. Okay, back to the show. Okay, I'm back. And yes, that is a legit hole in the backyard now. All right, we'll deal with that later. Okay, so let's talk solutions. So how do we get ourselves out of this? Well, you know, a lot of it starts with awareness, of course. You probably knew I was going to say that. You know, when we catch ourselves doing that, we catch ourselves in doubt, we catch ourselves spinning and reacting. The first thing we need to do is just recognize it and label it. Like almost as if you are the a third person observer, right? You're just this detached observer and you just look at those thoughts as if they were written on a blackboard and you're like, interesting there's that fear again. There are those doubts again. There are those, you know, there's that trigger again, making me think all of this. Yep, here it is. And I know that we don't like that part, right? I mean, we have some awareness and we go from awareness to just give me the solution. Just make it go away. Make it stop hurting. Make me stop feeling this awful way. I don't want to go through this. And Sorry, not sorry, but we can't really skip that step, okay? Because in the awareness, we also can learn like what's happening in our body. Like, was I actually getting a headache first before I realized what my headache was about? Were, were there other signs? What was the thing that happened? There's so much that we can learn if we are just willing to pause in this moment for a minute, five minutes. Like I'm not asking you to like, you know, wallow in it for an hour, but just think about it for like five minutes and think about why did this start? Where did this originate? Why am I having this? Where is this coming from? Because if we don't address the origin, it's going to keep popping back. All right. And so even if you're like, well, the origin is like I was injured and now I'm afraid it's going to happen again. Like, duh, this is not difficult. Like, let's move on. (laughs) Okay. Like, I get that you want to move on. But again, I would ask more questions, right? If you and I were on a coaching call right now, I would be asking you like, okay, but why is this scary? Like, do you really think this is going to happen again? Is this a concern that this injury is going to happen again? Tell me more about that. Why? And I would 
basically torture you until we asked all the questions and got to the bottom of why this is so upsetting and why this is so triggering. And it is rarely, I will tell you, just the surface level. Usually it ends up being something underneath, right? I'm afraid my dog will never come back to sport. I'm afraid I will never get back to sport. I'm afraid that this is permanent. I'm afraid that, you know, we'll run out of time. You know, my dog is getting older or, you know, what if something else happens and I'm never able to do this again, you know? And we get to those like real fears that go beyond, I'm afraid my dog will get hurt again, right? It's not the hurt you're afraid of, it's all the dominoes underneath that. And they hurt and they're ugly and nobody wants to deal with them. And we want to run away as fast as humanly possible as, yeah, just so that we don't have to feel that. Okay. But there's so many clues in that. Again, if we can address the root problem and you can really figure out what's going on underneath, you'll be much more successful long-term in really fixing it than if you just keep slapping Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid on it and being like, yeah, yeah, it gives me a headache. I I take two Advil, like I'm done with it. I don't want to think about it. It's coming back. So once you get to the root of it and you sit there and you ask yourself things like, is this really true? Is this really true? Or you ask for ask yourself like, all right, why is that? Why is that? Why is that? And you do the kind of, there's this exercise called the seven whys, where you ask yourself why like seven times, you know, or someone else asks you why seven times until you really, the idea is that it takes seven times to really get at the, the root, the underneath of what is going on. Okay. So when we do that and we spend the time asking the seven whys or we make ourselves answer the question, is this really true? You know, then we can get to what's underneath. Once we get to what's underneath, then we can start to figure out strategies and then maybe we can even talk through it or come up with plans to mitigate or even just pause so that we aren't reacting. We're instead responding. We're actually thinking of a response or in some cases, we might just be giving ourselves the grace to feel it and then move on, right? I, I've quoted this a lot and my quote gets probably worse every time I do it. But in Elizabeth Gilbert's big book, Big Magic, one of the things she talks about in there, it's an analogy that um, I think a friend gives her and she's, she's talking about fear, right? Because at, at its base, all of this is fear-based, right? This is all just fear in different clothing. And so she's talking about fear and, or she and this other person are talking about fear and basically says, you know, I acknowledge fear and fear gets to be in the car, but it doesn't get to drive. It doesn't get to change the radio station. In other words, she's not making decisions or making plans from a point of fear. She's acknowledging it and then she's making the decisions she wants to make or, you know, taking the steps forward that she are, are the right steps forward, but they're not out of fear. So if you're afraid that the injury is going to come back, you're afraid that you're not ready or that you're afraid that your dog's going to re-injure themselves or, you know, whatever that fear is, what you do is once you understand, again, where it's coming from at its root, you look at it and you go, I see you. I see this fear. I see maybe this fear that's shoot from childhood, right? Um, I see this fear. It's an old fear. You're always in the car with me. I get it. But dear fear, 
you don't get to drive. You don't get to make this decision. I'm not going to not enter this trial because you're afraid. I'm not going to not run my dog because you're afraid. I'm not going to not run myself, you know, go to these trials and go do the thing that I love because fear is in the car, right? Fear doesn't get to drive. It doesn't get to change the radio stations. It, or, or I should say, you know, radio stations feels antiquated now. It doesn't get to choose what we listen to. Um, and um, it's not making decisions, all right? It's when we start to let our fear drive or let our fear make decisions for us or change the course of our actions that's when it becomes a limiting belief, right? Because then it's literally limiting what it is that we will do in this world, right? It's literally stopping us from doing something we love, right? Let's take that all the way down. What if you are coming back from an injury, you're afraid that you're going to get hurt again. So what? You grab a crossword puzzle book, put a put some bubble wrap around you and never leave your house again? Like is that... Is, is that what you're going to do? You're going to constantly let fear make that decision. If so, you know, winter's coming and you don't want to slip on an icy step, right? I mean, we can go on and on with this. And no, I'm not trying to put ideas in your head. Um, but we can go on and on with this. And you can see how fear left unchecked can become that snowball that b- turns into an avalanche, right? And yet, it doesn't serve us. It doesn't make our lives any better or any bigger. What makes our lives better is when we recognize the fear and we say, thank you. I hear you. I see you. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to push forward. I'm going to have some courage. I'm going to show some bravery. I'm going to take this step even though I know that fear is in the car or at the big mahogany table, right? You know, because the other voices at the mahogany table or in the car or whatever your analogy becomes are that of desire and passion and fun and joy and cheerleader and belief and you know hopefully my voice telling you that you can so we need to really figure that out and not run away from those feelings so that we can get to them at the root and we can just say i hear you i see you you don't get to make this decision this is what i want to do I'm choosing to push through this. I'm choosing a growth mindset. I know that with effort, everything gets better. I'm going to move forward. This is what I'm going to do. So I think that there's no way to, you know, fully squelch doubts. But when they come up, it's what you do with them, right? Those doubts are going to come up. I have doubts every day. I have doubts about my business, my ability as a handler, my dog, like I've a million doubts a day, right? Many of us do. But am I acting on those? Am I like, oh my God, you know, my, my dogs, you know, don't seem happy today. Oh my God, let's go do blood work, you know? Like it's what we do with the thought once it pops up, okay? That's what matters. And so the gift or the thing, the skill, I guess it's not really gift, the skill I want you to have is that when things come up, your habit is examine them. And if you only have a minute, even better, you know, don't give them too much thought, but examine them, figure out where they're coming from, and then take that, use that pause to decide what it is you want to do. Are you going to react out of this fear that pops up? Or are you going to pause and respond and take an action based on your goals, your 
authentic self, what really speaks to you, your bravery, what's it going to be? So the stuff's going to come up. It's what you do with it that matters. Okay. So I hope that helps. I hope that helps you sort through things that are very common and are definitely going to happen in our lives more than once. And um, like I always say, no matter what you're doing this week with your dogs, I hope you have a fantastic time. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. Check out my Dogged Planner workbook and journal available on Amazon. Just search for Dogged Planner. I also offer monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out all the ways you can work on your mindset. And be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at theqcoach and let me know how it's going. Finally, please share, subscribe, and leave a review. This helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.